All God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, we're going to stay in a spirit of prayer, but you can go ahead and have a seat for a moment because we want to have a little special prayer for our Alliance Sports Camp workers who are coming up. Let's just begin with this. Uh, Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And that is always a very encouraging scripture for me when I'm going to the Lord in prayer, because anything we can ask or imagine, he's able to do immeasurably more. Uh, and we love when we have this time in the service where we can just look to the Lord in prayer. Today, what we want to do is ask specifically uh, for the Lord's blessing and favor over this camp that we have coming up. It's a big deal. You know, God's got divine appointments. He's got work that he wants to do, impacting the next generation and impacting those who are going to be serving. And so as we believe him for that, we would not just encourage you to give prayer cover. So every day this, this week, just be praying, asking the Lord uh, that he would be working at the camp. And today, since we have the privilege of doing this, can I just ask if you are serving this week as a counselor, uh, a coach, huddle coach, runner, any, any volunteer way that you are serving, could you just stand up for a moment? We just want to see you, take a little mental, look at this, we've got a whole bunch of people that are here. And then we're just going to pray for you uh, just God's favor and blessing. And if you've got somebody close by you who is standing, make sure you take a little mental note of them and remember to pray for them this week. So if you all can stay standing and the rest of you would just join me as we pray uh, for these folks, okay? God, we're grateful today as we have this privilege of being in your presence. And Lord, just to to make uh, joyful noises before you, to be able to lift up our voices uh, and also, God, just the holy hush moments of saying, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, uh, we want to be hidden in you. We want you to surround us, to cover us. Um, that's a great privilege. And so, Lord, specifically now, we are asking for your blessing over these men, women, and children who will be serving in various ways, uh, that as they serve as your hands and feet, that they would just receive uh, the fullness and the work of the Holy Spirit in them and through them. You might even surprise them, God, with the divine appointments that you have for them this week. And Lord, I pray for the camp as a whole that there would be great times of ministry, great times of connection, great times of relationship building, even in the details, God, that we can't control, but you can, things like the weather. Uh, we pray, God, that there would just be a favorable week and that you would set that up in a really special way that would impact lives. And so we love you. We are grateful for each one of these individuals who are volunteering, and we just ask special blessing and strength over them today. And we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you all that are serving. You all can have a seat. I also want to make you aware of one other sort of special need. So because the camp is expanding a little bit, we've got some more scholarships to give and some more needs in just taking care of the kids. Uh, Bill Jester talked to me this week and he said, we do have uh, some additional help that would be helpful. That's why Pastor Dan was mentioning that in the announcement time. So I thought, well, I'm just going to be a little bold and I'm going to say it this way. If we had four or five people who would give a gift of up to but not more than $100 in our church in each of our services, that whole need would be taken care of. So we're not talking about a giant moving of mountains. So if you are here today and you would say, hey, I can give something, just raise a hand so I can see where you are. One two, three, four, five. So, okay, so that, look at that. I don't, I'll just forget who you are. It doesn't matter. Uh, 
If you would make a little gift, talk to Bill Jester today, we'll just take care of that need. Don't you, don't you love the body of Christ, though? I mean, that's the thing that I, I, just, I just love. Hey, we got a little need duh, 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 taken care of. It's, it's just like that in both services. I love how the body of Christ can work together. I love how even today, you've already been ministered to by the body of Christ. And I meant to say in the first service, but I'll say it uh, now. Uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us. Uh, I, there were so many things that were just making me smile. Number one is Chad promised me he does not sing solos, but they made you sing too. How did, how did that happen? How did that happen? You know? I, I have to laugh also because whenever, you know, we hire a staff member, it's now becoming sort of a question of like, well, what instrument do they play, you know? doesn't matter if they have anything to do with the worship team. You know, we've got our uh, buck who's serving and taking care of our building and stuff like that. He's playing guitar with us. It's like the most musical staff. I just, I just love seeing the, the gifts. And, and probably my, my biggest smile has to be uh, Aiden because every time we throw an instrument at him, it's just like, let's see if he can play it, you know. Uh, let's come up with something. Let's see if he can't play it. That's fun. And it's good. And, and it's all, you know, it's, it's for God's glory. And that's what, that's what is most exciting is to see the, the body of Christ in various ways serving for God's glory. Um, so we are in a, a series called Change Your World. Um, and we're going to get into our second message. I do want to also say thank you to you, though, because last week I came to you with a little kind of sideways back situation going on. I looked like I was sort of stuck in mid hula hoop and just took like a, a freeze fa- frame. Um, and that, I uh, appreciate your prayers and uh, many of you that prayed for me this week and everything, feeling much, much better and uh, doing much better on that front. So glory to God for that as well. And thanks for your care and for your concern. Um, as we're talking about changing your world, just a real quick review from last week when we were talking about on earth as it is in heaven. In our first message, we were sort of getting a sense of orientation to our place in biblical history. And this is really important for us to understand this. Uh, so we put this little slide up here. We've talked about this before. C- creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Specifically last week, we want to highlight uh, that the final act of redemption was the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The first act of restoration was the raising of Jesus from the dead. Then the ongoing acts of restoration, that's ministry. That's what it means when we say we're, we're trying to be world changers. We're trying to fall, follow the call of our Savior given in the spirit of Isaiah 61, which is all about freedom for the captives and the healing of the blind and all of these wonderful freedom passages But it begins with the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And that is the difference that we're going to talk about today. That is the difference between a church that is alive in the spirit and a a walk with Christ that is alive in the spirit or not. And so these ongoing acts of restoration, this is our calling, will not be completed until Christ ultimately comes back and finishes his work of restoration. Every time, though, you step into your calling, led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're stepping into the part of the world that he's calling you to change. And so your call might be little, it might be big. We're going to find that out as it, as it goes and as God unfolds it in your life. But so here we come to today's message, number two in our series. And how, how, we, how we maybe start with this question. How do we make a dent in a world that is just so broken? Right? I mean, you might have even left here inspired last week. You say, oh, no, change my world. And then you look at your world and you go like, this thing's a mess. You know, where do I even begin? 
And I would suggest to you what is the, the title of today's message. It is not by might. It is not by power. But it is, do you know the answer? It's by the Spirit of God. By my Spirit, says the Lord. So when Amy and I were leading our campus ministry, ACF is a campus church over on campus, and we were doing that for a number of years, just incredible experience for us as we were learning so much in ministry and saw God working in some different ways. One of the things that we did before each service, which was a sort of a, a beehive of activity, because it was all we had to do the setup and get the sound system, everything was going, and, uh, and, and all of these students that were serving and using their gifts, it was really another beautiful expression of the body of Christ. And then we would get all of our leaders together before we would go out and actually doing the ministry, we would pray because we knew we had to wait on the, the work of the Lord. We had to wait on the Spirit, and so we would pray together. We didn't have a ton of time to do that because we were doing all of the setup and stuff, so we would just kind of pray all together in concert, which, you know, God, has, God can hear us all, so it's a very economical way if you want to get a lot of prayers out there. We just all pray at the same time. I don't know if you've ever done that, but if you have that experience and you say, well, this is kind of weird. We don't do this in Western culture very much. Uh, the, the simple way to address that is you just stick your fingers in your ear and then you just let it rip you just go for it. you don't hear anybody else and then you take your fingers out when you're ready and it's actually a, a beautiful chorus of prayer so that's how we started uh, every Sunday we would pray all together and then I'm not sure when this uh, additional piece came but after we would pray and that little concert of prayer would die down we would gather together hands in the middle kind of like a sports team and we would say these words it's not by might it is not by power but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. So that became the, the, the last thing we would say before we would go into ministry. And I'm sharing that with you today because as I think back on the fruit that has come out of that campus ministry, thousands of lives that have been changed, hundreds of people who have been called to the ministry. We've got ministers and missionaries and pastors and church leaders all over the world that have come from this ministry right next door. When I think about uh, ministries that got started, churches that were planted, new, new endeavors for the kingdom, and then I think back on all of those times that we simply were declaring before the Lord, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. And I want to encourage you with that today as we get into this message, as we begin to think about this. Now, you may know the context of that passage is an Old Testament prophetic utterance from Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Incidentally, that's a great way to step into your ministry. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's a great way if you're not sure how to pray for a, for a sports camp this week. I'm not really sure where to start. I don't know all the names of people. Just pray, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. When you pray for your church, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. When you pray for your pastor, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. You can pray that in almost every circumstance of your life and ministry. Now, this Old Testament scholars among us you know that uh, Zechariah was actually ministering 500 years before the time of Christ. And when that statement was uttered, it was directed at a specific need. Now, some of you might not realize this. The specific need was this, that God's people needed help in the construction of the temple 
which would be the center of God's presence and the people's worship. They had the foundation done, but they had gotten discouraged. Maybe just the, the job had gotten difficult. Maybe it was financial. Just, I mean, the, the thing was lagging. They weren't getting this thing done. The project had proven difficult. And they're asking the question, how are we going to succeed in this? And the answer was, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit through the prophet Zechariah. Well, if you fast forward to the work of God today, we have the foundational work already done for us. The work of Christ, the, the finished work of Jesus that we celebrate uh, almost on a weekly basis. We're talking about the finished work of Christ. But we are called to be the living temple of God where his worship is written on our hearts and his healing presence is delivered through us to our broken world. And we may be asking the question then, well, how do we succeed in that? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the living God. So today's scripture gives us the New Testament glimpse of where the church, as we know it, all began. And I'm going to ask you to look at Acts chapter 2 with me. All of these messages uh, in this series were, were embedding in these first chapters of Acts Asking the question, what does it really mean? What does it look like to, to see the world changed by the power of God? Now remember that the disciples had been instructed, we looked at this last week, they had been instructed to wait, not to go, not to get busy in ministry, but Jesus said, a few days from now, the, the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit's gonna be imparted to you, you're, then you're gonna be my witnesses, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So now we're kind of seeing in real time the unfolding of that instruction to wait. Acts chapter 2, verses 1, we're going to read through 4, and then we'll pause. We're going to read actually several uh, verses more, so keep your finger there in Acts chapter 2 today. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And that might be worth just kind of underscoring in your Bible a little bit. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This is the moment known as Pentecost, and it marks essentially the beginning of the church. This is the ecclesia, or the called out ones. Now keep in mind, they already had the gospel, this gathering of people. They already had the teachings of Jesus. They already had the Old Testament history and law and prophets and poetry. They had all of these things, and yet Jesus said to them, the instruction is to wait and to pray. So that's what they're doing. They're waiting and they're praying. Somebody once said, God left the mission of the church in the hand of a prayer meeting of all things. I want to look at three points with you of what happens when the Spirit of God is let loose on the people of God. And the first is this, that the Spirit brings life. If you're taking notes, you can write that down very simple. The Spirit brings life. In reading this passage, we're looking at the manifest presence of God being poured out on normal people. Now, I want you to make sure you're understanding this. These are normal people 
but the Spirit of God is being poured out on them. They're now being fired up and set on mission for Christ to change their world. This is one of several things that's coming out of the upper room, and we would look at it and say, well, this is sort of a miracle, right? I mean, this is the miracle of God showing up in a specific way. Well, a friend and mentor of mine whose name is Fred Hartley, founder of the College of Prayer, uh, he notes this in his teachings, and so let me share it with you. He said, well, you would see the, the giving of the Holy Spirit clearly as a miraculous work of God, but he said, I see five miracles coming out of the upper room. Let's just note these together, I think, coming from, from my buddy Fred. Number one, he says, there's a miracle of gathering. I actually have the, the five here for you. You can jot these down quickly. Gathering, praying, receiving, ministering, and harvest. So the first was this miracle of gathering. He said, well, a gathering together is not a miracle. I mean, we all got here, right, didn't we? But think about this. Here we have the disciples of Christ who just previously, they're competing for position. You know, it's not just that they were together. They're now together in one space and what we would call in one accord or in one flow. And that's the miracle that you've got these headstrong people that are pulling for direction. You remember their previous questions to Jesus. Hey, by the way, which one of us is the greatest? Jesus is like, oh man. Like these are my world changers here, right? They, They don't get it at all yet. Now here they are in one accord. They're no longer pridefully competing but they are, in the Greek, it's, it's homothumadon. There's the same flow. It's the same flow of the work of the Spirit. And here they are praying for the mission of Christ. Now, many of you know what it's like to be on a team. Or, or maybe you've got an office uh, staff. Or maybe you've been in a group where you're all kind of moving in the same direction. And it's pretty amazing how that group can just can just say, you're not competing with each other, you're not arguing with each other, you got the goal in mind, and you're moving in that direction. And when we get it right, it's a beautiful thing. And all of a sudden, the, the early church is experiencing this miracle of gathering together. Uh, don't underestimate how important that is, how important that is for the church, to be in one flow, moving in the same direction, not competing, not pushing, not arguing, not bickering, but in one flow. So here's the first miracle, the miracle of gathering. The second one is the miracle of praying. You know, a month earlier, some of these are the same people that Jesus was like, could you not pray with me for one hour? Like just one hour, and then he says to them, you know, your spirit's willing, but your body's weak. Like you don't yet have the discipline to be able to do this. Now, somebody, some would say that this prayer gathering leading up to Pentecost was 10 days the same people who couldn't pray for an hour are now praying for 10 days while learning to wait on the Lord. So that's, that's another miracle. The third one is the miracle of receiving, that what we see here, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But don't gloss over this. This is the literal impartation of the divine and eternal down into the temporary world, that they're now encountering Jesus in a new way. It was just what he had promised in John 14, 15, and 16. A miracle of receiving. The fourth one is the miracle of ministering, and we're going to talk about that in point two. And then the fifth one, the miracle of harvesting, and we'll talk about that in point three. But just note this, these five miracles of the upper room. I want you to to grasp this if you can. When the Holy Spirit awakens us to our need, 
I mean, here's these people that they're trying to think about what is it actually going to mean to be the, the early church? What is it going to mean to be world changers for Christ? When the Holy Spirit arrives and awakens them to their need, it's the need for the Holy Spirit, the power of God through them. So that one person said it this way, that Christ's secret weapon has maybe become the church's forgotten secret. I wonder how many times we've experienced the body of Christ longing so deeply, though, for the life of Christ. What is a body without the Spirit? You know, it's a corpse. And it's not attractive, right? I mean, like, you don't see, like, a dead body and go, oh. You know, you go, ugh. And could it be possible that some of your church experience or body of Christ experience has been body without the Spirit, without the life that the Spirit brings? And what do you do? You go, I don't want this. Why do we see young people saying, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this? I, I, you know, there, there's a recoiling that happens. Because a body without the Spirit is a corpse. Yuck. Nobody wants that. But look at what we have been given. The Holy Spirit is the mind of God. It is the manifest presence of God. It is the source of our conviction, the guidance, direction, and strength. I would go so far as to say this. The Spirit brings life. And when you see how that is infused all throughout Scripture, you will likely come away with the conclusion that you were never intended to live the Christian life without the power of the Spirit. So why is that so lacking? Why do we sometimes run from the work of the Spirit in us? The Spirit brings life. The second point that we see here is that the Spirit brings opportunity. Now after last week, somebody asked me, uh, and it's a beautiful question. Like, well, what does it actually mean to kind of take advantage of the opportunities before me? What is it that the Holy Spirit would call me to do? in this changing world ministry? That's a great question. Because when we're asking it sincerely, essentially we're coming with a heart that says, you asked me to do it, Lord, I'm gonna do it. Doesn't matter how big, doesn't matter how small. And that is a posture that God will honor. But it's the spirit that brings the opportunity. Read with me following in uh, Acts 2, we'll pick up in verse five. It says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And there's this list of all these people that are there. It comes down to verse 11 where we pick up. It says, now here's what the people are saying. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And it's precisely into this question that all of the ministry that happens flows out, right? It's the Holy Spirit that prompts the opportunity for the ministry. Look at verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now this is an important aspect for us because what they were not doing was they were not yet preaching the gospel. They were not yet saying this is what it means to know Jesus. They were essentially saying they were overhearing them declare their worship of the living God. Now for some of us, we would hear this and we'd go, dude, I'm not a musical person. I can't play the upright bass and I'm not gonna sing the solo. And I, like, You're not gonna get me on the stage. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a life posture. It doesn't have to have anything to do with, with music. A life posture that is elevating the greatness of who God is. 
that stands in awe of God, that understands a scriptural depth. You could spend the rest of your life seeking to understand the character of who God is, and then we return what we are able to understand back into praise. It can be musical, but we don't want to get hung up on that. And that's what they're doing. And that's what the people are overhearing. They're saying we're, we're hearing them declare the wonders of God. That's why it is said that the highest calling in your life is to be a people who are marked by the manifest presence of God and who declare his wonders. Now this may feel to some of us like a deep mystery. <laughs> I don't know. Some of us, I get it. I see it in your life. I see it in your worship that you understand what this means. And whether you can carry a tune in a bucket or not doesn't matter because you are living out a posture of declaring the praises of God. For some of us, this feels like a mystery. But what we see in this mystery is that the act of worship, the act of ministering to God's presence is changing the atmosphere around that place. This should clue us in very deeply. If we want to be serious about how are we going to impact our world, how are we going to make a difference, it's not by might and it's not by power. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. We understand the manifest presence. We become people who lift up his name and the atmosphere begins to change around us. It's exactly what is happening right here. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Now, I'm going to, I'm going to pause this for a moment. Because while I absolutely believe that the Spirit brings opportunity and the answer to the person's question who says, I'm not sure what to do, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to show you what your assignment is. But you have to be the kind of person who's willing to be obedient. It doesn't matter if you're getting pats on the back or public acclaim or whatever. I'm going to be willing to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's a critical question some of you might be asking. Should I expect that every day is Pentecost? Because I've been to a lot of services in my life. I've been to a lot of gatherings. I've been to some wonderful times of ministering in the presence of the Lord and all of that kind of stuff. I've never seen tongues of fire. I've not had this experience. And the question is actually important because embedded in it is essentially this. What if my experience level with the Holy Spirit seems low? What should I do? And, and I actually think this is a really important question. I, I, I don't want to be too glib in my response because I could just say, oh, no, just expect more, or oh, just be patient, whatever. But we've got to be careful with this because if we are not careful, we'll find ourselves in a place of saying, well, the Lord works when he wants and shows up when he wants and everything. And you can look at examples like Paul who was not seeking an encounter with Christ. When he got his shoes blown off and his you know, vision knocked out, and all, you know what I mean? You look at Moses, who encountered God in the burning bush. He wasn't seeking at that time. He was tending sheep and was pretty sure that his life calling had passed himself by. So we don't always control those kind of things. But we could quickly come to the place of saying we don't expect the work of God in our life. Oh, God's just not going to show up like that tomorrow, and he didn't show up like that yesterday. He's not going to show up like that next week or the month after. And then we live this low level of expectation and we never expect anything of Almighty God in our life. And so that's a problem that we don't want to get into. Now the other problem would be that we feel a sense of false guilt 
because the tongues of fire haven't shown up yet in the way they did for somebody else. So let's avoid the false guilt that suggests that I'm somehow not good enough, we're not doing enough, because it's not by might and not by power, right? By my spirit. And let's avoid the, the trap of no expectation by simply asking, what would the Holy Spirit ask of me? By simply not despising the day of small things. You know that, that Jesus actually said, if you're faithful with little, I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more. And that's not to be overly formulaic. It's just a good reminder that sometimes the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of changing the world is done in remarkably quiet ways. That nobody stands up and applauds and maybe nobody even knows except you and the person you're ministering to. Don't worry about who gets the credit, but be willing to do the next thing that the Holy Spirit asks of you. He will bring an opportunity in his time. So that's number two. Number three, the Holy Spirit brings change. If you read through Acts chapter two, there's a lot that happens in the following verses. You know, are they drunk? They're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. The, the whole uh, unpacking of what's really going on. And Peter begins to quote the prophet Joel. This is the, this is the Holy Spirit being poured out as he said it was going to happen. And all of these things are unfolding. He begins to preach the gospel now. In response to the question, the opportunity that the Holy Spirit has raised, Peter's giving them the gospel, and this is their response in verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Underline that in your Bible. They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What's he promising? The life of God is available to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. You gotta ask, you gotta repent, you gotta believe, you gotta be baptized. All of that ministry and then incidentally 3,000 people said yes right okay we're in I love verse 37 they were cut to the heart whose work is that it's not yours some of you are in a place right now where you say I I know I couldn't change a heart I couldn't change a mind I couldn't change a life and the good answer for that is you are absolutely right you are not going to change the world on your strength or on your charm, or on your abilities, or on your gifts. But it's by the Spirit of God. So Peter gets up and he's faithful in the preaching, and the people are cut to the heart. This is a Holy Spirit, this is so precious in your life and mine. Some of you already experienced this today. When, when young Master Brady stands up and he gives a testimony to say, this is the work that God's been doing on my life. I know that some of you in that moment said, oh, cobweb's getting cleared out and I gotta kill a spider. And some of you go, oh, wait a minute. That was a word for me, right? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I know that somebody said, that was a word for me. It's a cut to the heart. We think that a cut to the heart sounds violent, right? It sounds, it sounds pretty rough. But it's a good thing. It's, it's the Holy Spirit cutting through our barriers and cutting through the, the junk and cutting through the things, that, the excuses and getting us to the place of actually doing business with him. 
It's a Holy Spirit thing. The Holy Spirit brings change. So we see from the upper room of prayer out to the nations, and now that the church is beginning to get on the move because the Spirit is bringing life, the Spirit is bringing the opportunity, the Spirit is bringing change. And and I realize as I I hear this that a lukewarm church is never going to change the world. It's just not going to happen. Right, so, so if, if we are committed to being a lukewarm people, never moved by the Spirit of God, never acting out of worship for Him, and just sort of settling all the time, we're never going to change the world. A prayerless church will never change the world because prayer is the precursor to the giving of the, the work of the Spirit. That's why we've got to learn to wait. We've got to learn to be still. And the Spirit will bring change. And the Spirit is bringing change. This is the thing about not despising the little things, is that when you get in the habit of obedience over the long term, you can have a lot of days where you feel like, I'm not sure that God did anything today. But you look back in the long long term of what the Spirit of God's doing and you start to see the activity of God and you start to see the work of God and and maybe you even get to the place of being able to celebrate, look what God has done. And we just give him the praise for it because it wasn't about you and it wasn't about what you did. It was about his Spirit working through you. The Spirit will bring change. So let me give you just a couple practical thoughts. Here's a couple practical pieces. Number one, and I think this is very practical, actually. The Spirit brings life. Do you believe that this morning? Say amen if you believe that. Spirit brings life. Okay, we're in agreement with that, many of us. Don't settle for spiritual lethargy. Like, that's actually a a practical decision of your will. You're not going to fix your own lethargy, but you can say, by God's grace, if the Spirit brings life... I'm receiving that promise. Come hell or high water or anything else that the enemy wants to throw at me, I'm going after the life in Christ. That is a a setting of your will. You can't manipulate it. You can't make it happen. But you can say, if you're offering it, I'm receiving it. I'm not going to put up with spiritual lethargy in my life because the Spirit brings life. So that's number one. And that is actually very practical. Make that part of your prayer life. Number two is part of your prayer life. Prayer challenge. Set your day this week. Each day, set your day in the Lord. That's one of our, one of our staff members said that to me. We were talking about this message. and said, said, set my day. Just got, I, I need to learn to set my day. Sometimes God shows up in an incredible way when I'm setting my day. Sometimes he doesn't, but I'm setting my day in a posture of saying, I want to be open to hear what he has for me. I want to be, I want to be moldable. I want to be soft. I want to be responding in praise and worship. So set, set your day. I, I love that, um, so my wife and I sometimes get up at the same time. Often she's up before me or I'm up before her. If she's up before me, it is not uncommon for me. I'll come down the stairs into our living room and almost always if she's up before me, Amy will be on the couch in her spot with a, with a Bible open and usually eyes closed and I'm assuming listening and praying or whatever. And if I interrupt that, she goes, Like, there's important things happening here. Important things happening here. Don't ask me about coffee. Don't ask me just, just wait. That is a setting of your day, sometimes with an interrupting spouse. You're going to navigate all that. 
Set your day. It's a practical. Uh, here's, here's number three, practical. Eliminate one distraction this week, right? Think about what, what is one distraction. Some of you, you already know what it is, right? Eliminate one distraction this week so that you can make space to wait and make space to pray and make space to worship. Again, this isn't public. This is private prayer closet kind of stuff. Eliminate one distraction this week. Here's number four. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. Embrace the life of the Spirit in the big and the little things. You know, be, be grateful for the work of the Spirit in the tiny little things. You know, it's oftentimes the big things in your life, the big, you know, oh, look what God did. He showed up in this incredible way. Those, those big things are actually more susceptible to your own pride that then you become this exhibitionist of the Holy Spirit which is not what he's called us to do. We're to be humble vessels. He shows up and he works the way he wants. So celebrate the big things. Celebrate the little things of the Holy Spirit. Always grateful, never satisfied. We like that phrase. Uh, Number five. Here's a practical thought. Don't shrink God to the limits of your intellect. And I, again, I say this with a little bit of a, this is a, this is a bigger sub, but we could talk a couple messages on this. Because it can oftentimes feel like when we're talking about the power of God and the work of the Spirit, it feels like you're being given a choice that you either use your brain or you use your heart. You know, I, I, I turned off my brain and gave my heart to Jesus. And, and the walk of faith and the life in the Spirit is not antithetical to your intellect. In fact, I think sometimes we need to do a better job of of using the brains that God has given us because in in many ways that is an act of worship when we contemplate him, when we understand rightly who he is and what he said. And sometimes we find things that we say, I've been understanding God in totally a wrong way. That's a proper use of our intellect to to refine us and to allow us to become more Christ-like in our thinking. And we should. But don't shrink God to the limits of your intellect. Because the moment you do that, and you say, this is sort of outside of my understanding, this is outside, well, I don't, God probably doesn't do that because I can't. All of a sudden, what we do is, is we, we shrink God down to what is essentially an idol that is more comfortable for us. Like, life in the Spirit, by definition says I'm stepping into something bigger than me and even bigger than my ability to fully comprehend. So to the extent that that's helpful and practical, don't shrink God to the size of your intellect. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And that actually keeps us very humble too. Um, And then the last one I would just say is learn from those who know. If you leave here today saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, I'm not sure where to start with all that. Well, you just heard a message. Start with that. Yeah. But then talk to people who know. We have people in this church living this out. They're walking in the Spirit. They're still growing. They're still learning. They're not done, but they know more than you do. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to wait. How do you, how do you discern the voice of the Spirit? Those are good questions. Learn from people who know. I read a lot of A.W. Tozer, and I, I read a lot of Fred Hartley, the guy that I mentioned before, partly because he's a mentor and a friend of mine, partly because I think he writes a book every four weeks. He just keeps writing books. 
Keep reading them because I want to learn from the people who have been there. I want to learn from the people who, who know, right? I mean, that just makes sense. Learn from people who know. I've got several other things that I could say. I'm going to conclude with, with this today. Um, yesterday, we had a beautiful memorial service here. Some of you were able to attend for the Chicarone family. Terry Chicarone passed away on May 4th, went into the presence of the Lord. Um, the testimonies that we heard, uh, some of you shared testimonies, so beautiful. Testimony, I just sense the, the, the heart of God just smiling over these stories, all about his glory. It wasn't about this man, it was about what God did through him. Uh, so many of you talking about like the way that your world was shaped and changed by Terry. The thing is, if you don't know the Chickaroon family, or didn't know Terry, most of the time, if not all the time that I've known Terry, he has been immobilized. He was not able to walk. He was in his wheelchair, did not have full use of his body. And so I started thinking about, not by might, not by power. I mean, if somebody embodied this well, not, it wasn't his might. It wasn't his power. But the Spirit of God worked through him in ways that people gave testimony to say, he changed my world. He awakened me to things I did not know before. He showed me Jesus in ways that I didn't quite get before. And, and, and all of this wonderful, these wonderful accolades all to the praise and the glory of God. And I left there yesterday thinking, those are the good kind of things that, that's a good legacy to leave. Little prayer challenge for you as you think about sports camp this week. When you go out in the lobby today, you're going to see flags that are all kind of lo- each one of those flags in the lobby represents eight kids and, and two adults you know I would encourage you just to hey just put it into practice I'm just praying over groups just praying over this football group I don't even need to know their names and pray that God would, would work in them this week that there would be spiritual fruit and blessing and breakthrough and all kinds of good things and maybe you say well I'm not even sure I don't know the names I don't know how to pray or whatever well guess what you just pray not by might not by power but by my spirit and pray that over them. You have a practical opportunity to do that. We are going to conclude our service. Worship team can lead us up here with a wonderful opportunity. We just minister to the presence. How marvelous. We're going to talk about the marvelous presence of Christ. So we can do this together, encourage one another, and worship team, why don't you lead us? I'm going to ask you all to stand. I want to pray for you. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with this great declaration together. So, Heavenly Father, we are grateful. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring life. And Lord, all the places that some of us are just saying, I just need the life of Christ today. Thank you that you are available to us. We pray that you would breathe life into your church, into our families, into our individuals, in a way that we might even look back and say, look what God has done. Look what God has done as we walked in the life of the Spirit we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring opportunities. We just declare you know what those are. You know what you desire to do. May you find willing hearts who are saying, I will change that little part of the world that you send me to. And some of you already know. Some of you, you've already heard the Holy Spirit whisper to you today. This is, here's your assignment. So be courageous. Step out. Holy Spirit brings change. God, we, we ask that you would change our world. And as we always pray, Lord, would you just start with us? You know, our, our hearts have plenty of work 
that they still need. And so we don't want to miss out on that opportunity. We certainly don't want to be spending all of our time looking out and missing the work that you desire to do right here. So for some of us, again, we may already know what that, what that need is, but we come and we just say, God, just, just work in my heart today. And I pray out of the overflow that our world would be impacted. Help us even now, as we stand in your presence, to lift up the name of Jesus well as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.